Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments this weekend. Uh, before we jump into our teaching, do want to mention this uh, great resource. It's called the Version. If you haven't yet discovered it, it's an absolutely free app. You can download it on your phone or your device. It has a, a billion different translations of the Bible, all kinds of reading plans. And uh, if you get that app open, lower right-hand corner, you can hit the drop-down menu under Events, search for Arlington FM, and you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Well, we are in a series called My Good Habits, and uh, it's based on the fact that uh, most of what we experience in life uh, comes out of our habits, uh, the ways we think, the ways we react, the opinions that we hold, and the choices that we make are, are oftentimes determined by the habits that we have formed. And, uh, you know, uh, it can be difficult to establish uh, some good habits when we live in a world that leans so much towards habits that sabotage our best interests. Maybe you can relate to this entry. It's from the uh, final journal entry of uh, uh, Anne Frank in her diary just days before uh, her and her family were betrayed, and they were uh, their hiding place was revealed, and they were taken off uh, to Nazi death camps. But uh, here is from the final entry of Anne Frank's diary. She writes, uh, I get cross, then I get sad, and finally end up turning my heart inside out. The bad part on the outside and the good part on the inside. Uh, maybe you can relate to that. Uh, but then she says, and I keep trying to find a way to become what I'd like to be and what I could be if only there were no other people in the world. And you know what she's describing there, uh, certainly for her, uh, had a dramatic reality. Uh, all the things she wishes she could be and would like to be uh, were inhibited, were hindered by the people that were in her world. Well, uh, it can be easy to conclude uh, that, you know, uh, our best life is simply uh, not attainable, uh, given the crazy people we have to deal with uh, in our world. And uh, what I'd like to offer in this message this weekend is there is a different option. We don't have to shrink wrap our lives. We don't have to succumb to habitual ways of living that are patterned after uh, the darkness and perhaps even the dark people that are in our world. And in fact, I want to read to you the very last statement from the passage in Romans we'll deal with today. Uh, here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but rather overcome evil with good. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a great invitation to not be overcome by evil. Uh, sometimes we can conclude like Anne that we can overcome the evil influences in our lives. We can't break out of our bad behaviors and displace them with ones that lead to life. Uh, in fact, many times our conflicts, our heartaches would lead us to that conclusion. Uh, but here's the truth. God wouldn't invite us to overcome evil with good if it wasn't a possibility. And uh, I want us to catch that through this message today, that uh, Doing good really can displace the darkness and the evil and the brokenness that is in our world. Uh, I love this summary 
uh, that Luke uh, gives of the, the life of Jesus, he actually quotes the words of Peter. Uh, Peter is trying to describe to some non-Jewish people what the ministry and the life of Jesus was all about. And he simply says this in Acts chapter 10, you, you've heard about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And, uh, and then this description, how he went around doing good. Uh, he overcame evil with good, uh, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And, uh, you know, uh, people who are overcome by the power of the devil can be difficult to be around. Uh, those can be those complicated situations. And yet, as Peter is summarizing the life of Jesus, he said God empowered him uh, to go about doing good and to bring liberty. He truly, in every sense of the word, overcame evil with good. And uh, as we jump into this message, uh, I want to just make the declaration uh, that is not something we can do well on our own uh, to overcome evil with good, uh, to overcome hatred with love, to overcome a judgment with mercy and forgiveness and all of the attributes of good that are summarized and, and displayed in the life of Jesus. That's not something we do well uh, in our own strength. In fact, this harkens back to what Paul said so clearly in Romans chapter 7. He said, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I want to overcome evil with good, but I simply don't have the wherewithal to do that in a consistent way, he says, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And uh, so a little tip of the hand, uh, the keystone habit that we'll point to at the end of this message will actually begin with these words. Uh, Holy Spirit of God, uh, empower me to make my love real. Give me the strength. In the same way that the Spirit of God empowered and anointed Jesus to go about doing good and uh, liberating those who are under the power of darkness, uh, we uh, turn our hearts in that same direction. And uh, so uh, here's the truth that we're going to highlight today. There is no greater good that we can do in the world than loving people. And so Paul begins uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 9, uh, where he will end with the exhortation to overcome evil with good, he begins with these words, love must be sincere. Uh, love must be real. Love must be genuine. In fact, that word sincere uh, would have these meanings. Uh, sincere means without hypocrisy. Uh, we're not faking it. Uh, love that is sincere is without pretense. It's undisguised. Uh, we're not covering up something that's more real than the love that we're trying to demonstrate. It's undisguised. It's not fake. And uh, the very fact that Paul would say love must be genuine. It must be real. It must be sincere. It suggests that love can be fake. That love can be disguised uh, over a heart that is not loving and giving towards others. In fact, uh, Jesus told an interesting story. Uh, it's known in the Bible as the, the, the parable of two sons. Uh, and in this story, a father uh, has two sons, and he makes a very simple request of them. Uh, he says, um, uh, Jesus tells this story, what do you think? 
There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first one, and he said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. Uh, quite a simple request. Uh, you might compare it to, uh, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And this father simply says, uh, go and work in the vineyard. And the son's response, uh, he says, I will not, he answered. Uh, but later, he thought about it. He changed his mind, and he went and worked in the vineyard. And uh, as Jesus spins the story, story, he says, then the father went to the other son, and he said the same thing. And this son answered, I will, sir. Uh, but he did not go. Uh, apparently, he was a yes man, uh, at least outwardly. Uh, he wanted his father uh, to think that he was compliant, that he was obedient, that he was the good son who would carry out his father's will. But in reality, it was a pretense. It was disguised. He had a heart that was quite distant from the will of his father. And so Jesus asked this question. Uh, by the way, he's talking to religious leaders who had a very strong religious agenda, but they had no inclination whatsoever to do the will of God. And uh, so Jesus asked them this question, which of the two actually did what his father wanted? The first they answered, and then Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, but you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not change your mind and believe in him. Well, here's the point that Jesus is making. Stop pretending to follow when you're really not. Stop pretending to follow Jesus. There's no positive outcome of that kind of religion. Uh, to genuinely follow Jesus means to take up his cross, deny ourselves, and love people the way that we experience love from God, uh, sacrificially, uh, graciously, uh, unmerited favor, all the things we celebrate about how God has offered us uh, his love Jesus is saying to follow me means to actually do that with people and to not fake it, to not cover up a heart that has very strong religious agendas, but no inclination to follow the good and the pleasing and the perfect will of God. And so maybe as you're hearing this, you're thinking, okay, I get it. Don't fake love. Make it real. But maybe your thought is, well, how do you do that? How do you do that in a world where every, uh, you know, every 10 people, one of them could be a devil? Uh, how do you overcome uh, evil with that kind of loving good? Well, Paul goes on. Here's what he said. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And maybe when you hear that, you're thinking, okay, now he's talking my language. Uh, I, I hate what is evil in the world, but uh, not so fast. That's really not Paul's direction, is that we would hate the evil that's in others. In fact, uh, the encouragement as you keep it in the context of what Paul teaches in Romans, what Jesus taught about how to live our lives before God, and what the Bible teaches in its entirety, is that uh, the evil that we hate must begin with the evil in us. In fact, you could say it like this. If I don't hate what is evil in myself... Any hatred I have for evil in the world will be evil 
it'll be twisted if I don't first despise the things in me that that are inconsistent, that are breaking covenant with God. I can never, in a healthy way, despise the things in the world that hurt people. See, the effort to hate evil begins with hating the evil that's in my own inner world. I hate that I pretend to love when I really don't. I hate that there's a shallowness in my love for others. In fact, here's an exercise in humility, and which, by the way, is a good thing. Humility to view ourselves not higher than we ought to, as Paul said last week. But here's an exercise that'll keep you humble. Describe or make a list of some of the evil in yourself that you hate. Give that some thought. Uh, what are some, some of the things in you that are that are bent, that are twisted, that are not as healthy as they should be? Uh, here are some of mine. I, I hate that God gave everything to be in a relationship with me, and yet I still withhold from him. I hate that about myself. Uh, I hate that I know that Christ's greatest command is for me to love others the way that he loves me. And yet I find a thousand excuses for not doing that with people who annoy me or who offend me. I hate that uh, evil in myself. Uh, I hate that I ask my wife for greater connection. And yet when she risks being vulnerable, I clam up, I withdraw, I get defensive. I hate that evil in myself. And uh, I hate that after decades of knowing Christ and living with the assurance that if God is for me, who can be against me? That I still get intimidated by strong-willed people. I hate that brokenness in myself. And uh, I would encourage you, uh, take some time, uh, do that exercise, and write down some things that you're currently dissatisfied uh, with yourself in the way that you live out your faith. And uh, that'll be a good exercise in humility. But Paul doesn't leave us there. He, he says, hate what is evil but also cling to what is good. And uh, that's, the, that's the positive habit that we can step into. So here's an exercise in faith. Uh, make a list, describe some of the good that you intend to cling to today. Uh, what is some of the good that you're going to reach for and hold on to? You know, when you're in the middle of the high and stormy gales of life, uh, what are those things that are going to stabilize you. Well, Jesus said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And see, Jesus lifted up compassion for people over right religious practices. I intend to cling to that. Jesus said, I've not come for the healthy. It's the sick who need a physician. And I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. I intend to cling to that good today. Jesus taught and he demonstrated that serving others, even my enemies, is the pathway to greatness. I intend to cling to that good today. And so here's the truth. When we hate what is evil in ourselves and we cling to what is good in Christ, uh, we are on a pathway to making our love more real. Uh, Paul goes on. He, he gives us some other ways that we can make our love more genuine and less false. Uh, he says, uh, be devoted to one another in love. Uh, love that word devoted. It's rich with meaning. 
Uh, it means the way that you cherish your family. Uh, cherish people that way. Be devoted uh, to people as you would to your own family members. Uh, and to be devoted is, is when you love out of habit. Uh, there's one for our good habits. When we're devoted to one another in love, it's habitual. Uh, we don't have to uh, calculate each day, am I going to be devoted to people? It's part of our life and our lifestyle. And I love this last meaning, that when mutual affection is your default, when that's your natural inclination, not just towards people you like and agree with, but towards people that are created in the image of God. And uh, here's a good question. How do we get, uh, how do we get uh, into the habit of seeing people that way? Well, Paul tells us. He says, be devoted to one, other, one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Uh, take the lead. Uh, give people uh, uh, the front row. Uh, give people uh, access ahead of you. When you're standing in line, uh, when it looks like someone has more groceries in their hand than you do in your cart, let them step in front of you. You know, this is when you pull up to a four-way stop and everybody's looking like, uh, no, you go, you go, you go. That's, that's uh, honoring one another above yourself. Uh, when you hand the remote uh, to your spouse, and say whatever you want to watch is fine with me. You're honoring someone else above yourself. And Paul is saying this is a tangible way that we make love real in our lives. We put others first. And uh, that's always genuine. That's always real. Well, uh, as I thought about this, sometimes maybe it isn't. Uh, I recall the situation we were at uh, Disneyland and we had gone through the line at Splash Mountain, and we were just stepping up uh, to get on the, the, the log, the, the car that comes through that you uh, go through the ride in. And uh, I noticed the one that pulled up was uh, really wet. In fact, the seats were covered with water. And uh, in that moment, I looked at the people behind me in line and said, hey, you guys look like you're ready. Why don't you go ahead? And uh, I deferred to one of them, uh, to them. I honored them. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I had some ulterior motives on that one. But I think you get the point. Uh, Paul goes on. He says, look, never be lacking in your zeal. It's one of the ways that we make our love genuine. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And uh, here's the truth Paul is pointing at. Uh, all of us go through bouts with the blues. Uh, we all have days when it would be easy uh, to give in to our grouchy self. Uh, and Paul understands that. In fact, sometimes those blues turn into downright depression. And it gets physical. It gets neurological. And uh, you know, we, have a, we have a condition that we need help sometimes to break out of that negative pattern. Well, all that being said, uh, the more normal uh, days... When we just get up on the wrong side of the bed, we just want to be grouchy for the sake of being grouchy. In fact, in the next chapter, Paul will warn us against giving opportunity for our, our fallen nature, our flesh, to have its fling, to have its way. And uh, what Paul is saying here is uh, don't get in the habit of letting your sour uh, attitude rule your life. Uh, stir up that enthusiasm within you. Uh, we can choose to face the day 
uh, either as unenthusiastic or we can stir up that fire within us uh, that we have hope, that we have life, that we have the presence of God, that we have his truth, uh, that we have his spirit, that we are friends and children of God, that he's causing all things to work together for good and nothing can separate us from his love. Uh, See, uh, think about uh, the weight that Jesus carried through this life. Uh, He could have been... uh, He could have been really disgruntled, you know, to wake up every day with the weight of the world on your shoulders and knowing it's all riding on you. Uh, He could have been short with people. He could have said, get those kids away from me. I've got important things to do today. In fact, I had a friend who said, you know, one of the reasons we excuse ourselves from loving others in real ways is we develop what he called the busy, important, serious syndrome. We think that, uh, you know, to be doing life for real means we have to be busy. And uh, if we're making our lives count, we have to be serious. And that the things I'm doing are more important uh, than the mundane things that other people give themselves to. And uh, really, those are all just excuses for not choosing to prioritize. The number one commandment that Jesus left us with is that we would make room for others and that uh, we would uh, impart our life to bring hope into the world of others. And so part of that is to not be lacking in zeal, but to keep our spiritual fervor, to serve others the way Christ served us. And you go, well, how can I do that? Uh, Paul tells us. He says, look, uh, here's how you keep your zeal in your spiritual life hot. Uh, You choose to be joyful in hope, to be patient in affliction, and to be faithful in prayer. When you're going through it, you remember that hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been shed abroad in our hearts. We can stay in it through affliction because we realize that God is working it for our good and we can be faithful in prayer because even our groanings, Jesus turns into accurate prayers before our Heavenly Father, we can choose to be joyful in hope, to be patient in affliction, and to be faithful in prayer. And when we do, we're getting on a pathway where our love for people has a chance to be more real and to be more genuine and to be less of a masquerade uh, and a pretense over a heart that is distant from God. And now, uh, sensing uh, Paul uh, as he writes, that perhaps he has a listening ear uh, from his readers. Uh, Perhaps they have open hearts at this point. Their minds are receptive. He pours it on. Uh, Listen to his words now uh, as he points them to making love more genuine. He says, uh, bless those who persecute you. Uh, Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And see, uh, Paul in this final volley uh, gives us... uh, Ways after ways, points after points, small steps we can take uh, 
to make our love real, to make our love genuine, to not be living a pretense of fulfilling the will of God covered over hearts that are reluctant and resistant to his will. Well, I want to end with a story that I believe really exemplifies this invitation to not be overcome with evil, but to overcome evil with good. This is a story of a woman named Victoria Ravolo. And uh, here's her story on a November evening in 2004. This 44-year-old woman was driving uh, to her home on Long Island. After attending her niece's recital, she was looking forward to a warm fire in a relaxing evening at home. She doesn't remember seeing the silver Nissan approach from the intersection. She remembers nothing of the 18-year-old boy holding, of all things, a frozen turkey. He threw it at her windshield. The 20-pound bird crashed through the glass, bent the steering wheel inward, and then shattered her face like a dinner plate on concrete. The violent prank left her grasping for life in the ICU. Uh, she survived, but only after doctors wired her jaw, uh, fixed one eye back in its socket, and bolted two titanium plates to her cranium. Uh, she can't look in a mirror without a reminder of the hurt that she suffered that night. And as I read this uh, account, I asked myself the question, what kind of evil does that? Uh, what kind of evil in the hearts of people does that kind of thing? Well, it's, uh, it's the same kind of evil that's expressed in this picture. Uh, just a few days ago, uh, this house uh, experiencing major flooding uh, slid off of its foundation uh, the people were left homeless in an instant, and uh, not more than a few days after that took place, uh, the woman uh, was uh, in, the, uh, in the home early in the morning, and she heard the back door being kicked in, and uh, it was uh, thieves who had arrived to steal whatever they had left in their house. And, uh, you know, I, I realized in a moment that it's not only the kind of evil that would throw a frozen turkey through a woman's windshield, or the kind of evil that would break into a house where people had already lost everything. But it's the same kind of evil that would pretend to be following the, the, the major commandment of Jesus to love others and not really do that. Uh, see, it's not as overt as those other acts, but it's every bit as destructive in the world uh, when love is not genuine, when it's not sincere when it's a pretense over a heart that has anything but love for others residing in it. Uh, as Max Licato writes about this account of uh, who he, a woman he calls the turkey lady, he makes this comment, to accept grace is to accept the vow to give it. Uh, that's an amazing truth. To accept grace from God through Jesus Christ is to accept the vow to give it to others. And... Uh, he goes on, he says, Victoria Ravulo did that indeed. Nine months after her disastrous November 9th, she stood face to face with her offender in court. Uh, Ryan Cushing was no longer the cocky turkey throwing kid in the Nissan. He was trembling, he was tearful, he was apologetic. Uh, for New York City, uh, he had, become, had come to symbolize a generation of kids out of control for the entire metropolis, 
uh, this one young man had become a symbol of an entire generation of young people that were out of control. Uh, people packed the courthouse to see him get his comeuppance. The judge's sentence enraged them. Uh, only six months behind bars and five years of probation, a little counseling and some public service, they were outraged at the leniency of the sentence. The courtroom erupted. Everyone objected except Victoria Ravulo. The reduced sentence was her idea. The boy walked over and she embraced him. In full view of the judge and the crowd, she held him tight. She stroked his hair. He sobbed and she spoke. I forgive you. I want your life to be the best that it can be. See, she allowed grace to shape her response. She overcame evil with good, and she, she displayed uh, for an entire city uh, to see uh, a love that overcomes evil, a genuine love that overcomes evil in the world. I want to ask you to pray with me. Uh, Father, we want to thank you that your word reveals that God is love and that when Jesus, the word, became flesh, lived among us, uh, he showed us what that kind of love looks like. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for this summary of your life that as you walked through this world, you went about doing good. Uh, the power of God was on you and gave you the ability uh, to liberate people uh, from their oppression. And we just want to thank you today, Lord Jesus, that your love is genuine. There's nothing false. There's nothing fake about it. We want to thank you, Jesus, for honoring us above yourself. Uh, you became a servant. Your word says, uh, finding yourself in human form, you lowered yourself even further and became our servant and lifted us up. We want to thank you, Lord, uh, for meeting all of our needs according to your riches. Thank you. Uh, like none other, you practice hospitality. And though we were strangers and far from God, you brought us near to yourself. And we want to thank you, Lord, uh, that you're not so proud that you don't associate with broken people, the people with needs, uh, people who don't have things figured out. Uh, they know they need the help of God. Lord, thank you that you're drawn to us when we're in that place and we honestly embrace uh, our need. And maybe as you're hearing these words, you're thinking, you know, I've never received that grace, but I know I need it, and I know I want it. You know, Jesus made a very clear promise. He said, whoever uh, puts their hope in him, uh, he will never leave them. Uh, he will never forsake them, and that can be true of you. Uh, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. You can pray this out loud or just agree in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Uh, thank you for what I've heard about your love for me today. Uh, I need your love. Uh, I need uh, your forgiveness. I need your mercy. Uh, Lord, I need you to come and uh, overcome the darkness that is within me. And, and so I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Uh, make me a new creation. Uh, teach me how to follow you. Teach me how to love the way that I experience love from you. Uh, from this day forward, uh, I'm yours. Uh, I'm the son who uh, maybe didn't start well. But I know now, Lord, that I need your will in my life, and I want to walk in that. And I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, amen. Hey, well, look, before I let you go, 
I do want to give you our last keystone habit, uh, uh, keystone habit for today. And uh, it's going to be very simple. Uh, but it, really, the, the, uh, the greatness of this habit is in the doing, as it is in all of them. And so uh, here's what I invite you to, to do every day, that you would attach uh, this request to something you already do every day. Maybe it's when you pour your bowl of cereal. Maybe it's when you get out your planner. Maybe it's when you turn your computer on. Uh, but every day you would get in the habit of making this request. Holy Spirit, empower me to love for real today. Uh, see, this is a profound invitation. Uh, you are asking the Spirit of God to anoint and equip and direct and lead you uh, to become someone who loves genuinely from your heart in the ways that Paul described here. And uh, to put some feet on that, uh, I'm going to invite you to go back to this text, Romans chapter 12. And uh, maybe your request would be something like this. Uh, Lord, today I am going to practice hospitality by initiating a conversation with someone I don't know. That would be a very tangible way of you putting into action uh, what uh, the Bible has invited us uh, into to make our love real and genuine. And then at the end of the day, uh, you would decide to either rinse and repeat, do the same thing the next day, or that you would make uh, a, new, uh, a new step towards genuine love taken from Romans chapter 12. Uh, this next slide, maybe it would be like this. Uh, today, I'm going to look uh, for one opportunity to put someone else ahead of myself. And uh, keep in mind, uh, God will help you in this process. Here would be another one taken from Romans 12. Today, I'm going to honor others above myself uh, by listening more than I speak. And, and then this final uh, possibility from Romans 12 uh, would be this. Uh, today, I'm going to cling to unity in the body of Christ by praying for those believers I disagree with. And, and see, this would be a way of... Uh, hating the evil that is in the world and clinging to what is good. Well, I think you get the point is that if we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to make our love genuine today, it can link us back to this powerful passage, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And uh, God will help us in that effort to make our love more real. Well, before I let you go, uh, I do want to say if you prayed that prayer with me to open your heart. To